Hello and welcome to the Blue Tomorrow podcast where we will be discussing all things Chelsea Football Club. This is the start of a weekly podcast where we will be analysing matches, looking at breaking stories and there may even be some guests who drop by. Uh, my name is Kieran Roy and I would describe myself as a diehard Chelsea fan but at the moment my willpower is certainly being tested. And joining me is Thomas Desbra. Say hello, Tom. Hello. So firstly, we're going to have a look at and talk about what went wrong against Tottenham. Obviously, uh, the Blues were defeated 2-0 by their rivals, and it was a pretty pretty diabolical performance. Tom, what were your first thoughts? Ah, uh, Well, it's, yeah, it's not much fun on the men's side of things at Chelsea at the moment. They're giving us very little to cling on to. Obviously, another game without scoring a goal, another game where... We concede and don't seem to have much fight back. Their heads seem to go down. And it's just, yeah, it's really giving us very little as fans to be excited about at the moment. Yeah, and it's there's so many things that we can say that where it went wrong yesterday. I wouldn't know where to begin. But, I mean, you can look at Potter's player selection. You can look at the incident where we obviously lose Silver on the pitch. Fair play to Wesley for final when he came on. I thought he did very well. You can look at the ZX situation at the end of the first half. There's maybe questions as to where that might have affected the players mentally. But yeah, you'd, you'd expect after the 0-0 performance, where we start the first half was really well. You're hoping, OK, second half will come out, start again. But yeah, going the goal behind after, what, about 90 seconds of the second half. It's Yeah, it's, it's not been fun. It's not been fun. Yeah, I think the most concerning thing for me is how how the players reacted after uh, obviously Oliver Skip scored that that goal, his first in the Premier League, by the way, mm-hmm. which is uh, great for it to be against us. I just thought there was there was no desire to to get back level. We barely even created a chance. It's just, I mean, in the other games, the recent games where we've lost and not scored, at least you can somewhat put it down to the players not taking their chances uh, Sterling against uh, Southampton and Felix against Dortmund but uh, yesterday there was there was no chances of note at all I can't I can't think of a single time Fraser Forster was tested obviously not even their main goalkeeper that's just shambolic that we didn't put any pressure on him uh, what do you make of the attacking problems at the moment uh, it's I think I don't think Potter knows his best system at top, up top. Obviously, relying on Havertz in ninety five percent of our games at the moment, it's not a great sign. Obviously, the Abamyang situation is very interesting as an outsider. You're obviously not quite certain what's happened there. Everything Potter says said to the press is that he trains really well, his attitude's great, but until yesterday, he'd been out of the squad for the last three or four games. And obviously, bringing him on was. At the time, obviously, I think he was being prepared as the corner, as the ball went out for the Tottenham corner before they got their second goal. And obviously, once that goes in, you're relying on him to come on and make a difference when we're not looking like we're going to give him any sort of opportunity. Then we seem to be playing a different set of wingers every single game at the moment. Obviously, Mikhailo Madrid came in, did very well off the bench against Liverpool, but hasn't done much of note since. Nonny Madwake, we've seen a couple of times. He did, again, was another one off the bench, but in the Fulham game, he looked lively, looked competitive, but was pretty poor last week against Southampton, so he didn't really get a run out against Spurs. We've got Raheem Sterling back, who was another one again last week, looked all right, looked like he was getting back to a level, but again, didn't really offer much against Spurs. And then we got Jal Felix, who looked to be the live wire for the first few games. Obviously, when he got that red card against Fulham, came back and was very good against Dortmund. But again, he's another one who hasn't hasn't 
got the ball, put the ball in the back of the net, which is obviously the most important thing for our attack. So I just think, I don't know if Potter needs to mix it up a little bit more, but make it, playing a different system to get them firing. But yeah, it's it's bleak up front at the moment, very bleak. Yeah, and I, I think there's also a problem uh, uh, with our defensive our defensive capabilities, as in uh, in terms of attacking output. Obviously, we know when Chelsea are at their best or have been at their best under recent times. It's been when Ben Chilwell and Rhys James are contributing heavily in attack. And I thought yesterday, uh, Rhys James especially was very limited going forward. Do you think? Do you think Potter needs to give him more of a license to attack? I can't see any harm in him doing that. I've been quiet the last couple of games. Been quite hoping that maybe he changes his system, goes to that back to that back five. We've got the the centre back options to be able to pick a nice three back there that should do very well. With Thiago Silva obviously picking up the injury, that the options are still there, but it would be nice maybe to see him in the centre with Badia Shield and Fafana either side of him, or if you can put Shalabar on the right, you can put Koulibaly on the left. The options are there, and that was. Obviously, when Chilwell and James were providing those attacking threats, that was in a five where they're able to push forward much further. They got the protection from the extra centre-back. But obviously, that is also when you have N'Golo Kante in the middle, which allows us to be a bit more of a threat down there. But I think you're right. I think Potter should be giving Reese and Ben those those freedoms to go forward because, yeah, they, as you've said, they are when they are going forward. That has when we, when we have been our most dangerous in recent times. So, yeah, you'd like to see them given that chance a bit more yeah well I think certainly there is a an issue at the the managerial post at Chelsea at the moment and uh I'll just let you all know that uh Tom is probably someone I would describe as the most positive Chelsea fan of all time uh I don't think anything could happen where he will 100% say that he wants Potter sacked but I do want to get your thoughts on Graham Potter because I think uh, there's been no signs of improvement over recent weeks. He he has been in the job now for almost uh, six months, if if not six months already. And if anything, things are getting worse. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think it's probably best for me to go back to the start with this. Obviously, I was heartbroken when Tuchel was sacked. I was very much on the night before when we lost that game to Zagreb. Just anything in group chats where people are asking me, oh, do you think he's going to go? It's like, no, it's a new regime. They're going to give him time. They've just bought him a Bamiyang. They've bought him players that he's sort of hinted that he's wanted. So there's no chance to get rid of him. And then obviously we get the news the morning after that he was gone. So at that time, it was sort of, okay, who are they going to bring in? And I think Potter was the only person on that list that I thought, okay, that would be quite nice if they're looking for a long-term plan here. He'd shown, obviously, abilities in every area that he'd worked in before. You've Doing well in Sweden, doing well in the Championship, eventually getting Brighton to a level where they haven't been before. He played nice football, he played varied football, what his teams did, obviously, when he was in charge. So I was very happy with his appointment. Obviously, they start. We started okay. There were a, a decent. It was a decent run where we didn't lose for quite a while. Obviously, the wins against AC Milan home and away you had the three 0 win against Wolves. It was there were some promising signs there. He was picking up some, picking some decent systems. We were playing okay football, but yeah, as you say, it slowly started to disappear. I think that loss against Brighton was the key turning point, especially for Poss's sort of mentality. In my opinion, I think he sort of realised the system he was playing left us a threat of being, well, getting that sort of embarrassing scoreline given against us. So he went back to a sort of more defensive style, which worked in the most part of us not conceding goals. We don't concede many goals, but we don't score either. And yeah, for the last sort of three or four months, he's not been giving us very much to cling on to, apart from maybe that 20 minutes against West Ham, 
a good 80 minutes against Dortmund. That was when I was starting to keep my belief quite strong. I was sort of, okay, there's there's some signs here of improvement, but then that Southampton game, we go 1-0 down from the one thing you don't want to give a struggling Southampton a chance for James Ward-Prowse to take a set piece and put it in the back of the net. And then we responded a little bit okay. Like we got the Sterling chance. We were unlucky with the ball being cleared off the line, but definitely didn't do enough to win that game. And the frustrations were, were loud at Stamford Bridge. I was there. Yeah, you heard any time sort of the ball went out, any time there was a lull and noise, you'd hear one or two, and by the end, five or six voices vocalising their opinions on Potter. Uh, yesterday I was hoping our big game he might be able to fire the boys up might bring us something different but there was nothing to sort of bring it up and yeah we've all seen the reaction online it's very understandable that pretty much every single Chelsea fan has been calling for his head but I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how the the board reacts whether they push him over whether they get rid of him they break it off they accept it's not working or if they're going to stick with him that little while longer just in the hope that they can weather this storm even if the results carry on being appalling I think it would take something to like us being sucked into a relegation battle which with this form is becoming a real possibility so yeah I'm still supporting but it's it's becoming quite tough to keep keep that positive mindset yeah I agree with what you uh what you said at the start especially um Tuchel going was a massive uh a massive shock I think based off the summer we had reports that they were backing him I mean the signing of Bamiang whether you agree with it or not it certainly seemed as if it was a Tuchel signing and then to sack him what was it seven days later that's Mm. just completely unbelievable and I, I think the connection Tuchel had with the fans uh inside Stamford Bridge and also just all over the world was was something special really that you don't you don't see from every manager and his passion on the sideline remember that that game this season God, it feels so long ago oh, against a, against Tottenham uh where him and Conte almost had a fist fight uh, like I know some people may not like to see that from their manager but I personally uh, love to see it I would say that I'm probably the complete complete opposite sort of personality to Tom. I am very quick to uh, get irritated at a manager if they're not doing things that I, or they're doing things that I dislike. I think Potter, he's got like no personality, even in press conferences. Like he tries to crack a few jokes now, but like on the side of the pitch, he just stands there and does nothing. Uh, I thought he should have gone before the, well, just before the World Cup, uh, after those couple of, terrible performances against I think Brighton and Arsenal well I mean the Brighton yeah Newcastle yeah yeah. I thought he was (laughs) he was just showing nothing and uh, so well they didn't sack him and we've carried on and things have got worse and it's at the point now where I I turn on the Chelsea game and I'm like I'm not even expecting to win like normally like even how bad we were playing under Tuchel I thought well we've got a chance every game we've got a world-class manager and we've gone from Tuchel, who's a world-class manager, and he was a world-class manager before he joined us to Graham Potter. And it's not disrespectful to Brighton and, and the other teams he's managed to say that he's never managed a big club. He's never managed a squad uh, the size Chelsea have. He's never managed the personalities uh, that that we have in the Chelsea squads. And I just, honestly, I just don't think he's up to, he's up to it. And I think it's starting to show now, like, results, they're not even improved, like, Player performances aren't improving. Results aren't improve, improving. Uh, there's mixed reports about how happy the players are under Potter. I, I just think 
everything's everything's going downhill. And uh, Todd Bowley made his choice very early. He made a very bold choice to sack uh, Thomas Tuchel, which I don't think the majority of Chelsea fans agreed with. And and he's he's gone with Graham Potter, and he, he's sticking with Graham Potter as far as reports are to be believed at the moment. Uh, but how long will he stick with him until he he backs out of that decision? I don't know. Uh, but there are reports currently that uh, in the Telegraph that uh, these next two games could be make or break uh, for Graham Potter. Obviously, those reports aren't completely unanimous. There are other reports that they're just going to back him no matter what. Uh, say we lose to Leeds, which I think is entirely possible, and then we we either lose or we are eliminated against Borussia Dortmund. Do you think he goes then? I think the the vocality from the Chelsea fan base will be well. It's pretty pretty de- depressing and toxic now. It will be un unthinkable how badly they will react if Potter is still in charge especially if we go into those games I mean to be fair we're beyond the point now where if we play well and lose that it's a good thing it's hard to obviously having no result to cling on to for that long I think yeah if those two games don't go that way then yeah he could definitely be out the door I think the board might have to accept that you need there needs to be some sign of improvement if they are going to stick to him. Obviously, there were reports today that after the game they were looking to compare it to Arsenal with Arteta, which is something I've been doing quite for quite a long time. Obviously, with that though, they had that horrific run of games in late 2020, but it was ironically us who gave them their their sort of turnaround game. That game on Boxing Day in 2020 when they absolutely hammered us three three one, I believe it ended, and. Yeah, that's that's something that we we as Chelsea fans would love to see at the moment. But as you say, it's very unlikely we go into this Leeds and Dortmund game and lose both of them. So, yeah, I think he goes if we don't get through them. And if he if he was to go, uh, there have been cries from the Chelsea fan base. Lots of different cries. We've heard the the likes of Hansi Flick, uh, Enrique, Pochettino. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, even Zidane's being thrown around. Yeah, uh, what are your What are your thoughts on on who you would like to see come in? I, th- I think this is one of one of the things that leads me to my not completely blinded, but very much blinded backing of Potter is that there aren't amazing options out there. I mean, the cry has always been when Chelsea sat managers, "Oh, let's go, just go get Zidane because he's always available." But he's never worked outside Real Madrid, a club he knows very, very well. He doesn't speak English as fluently as I believe that to be the case. So that would be something he'd struggle with. I think of the list you gave there, again, Pochettino is it's always one that's been thrown about since he's since he left Spurs, since he left PSG. But again, it's that would be I don't know how that would work well at Chelsea. He's again not someone who's won a lot as a manager. He's obviously won a couple of trophies at PSG, but wasn't able to with all his like successes at Tottenham wasn't able to get them to that silverware and then Hansi Flick is probably the best name on there but whether he'd leave the German job for us I don't think he would Luis Enrique is at least he is out of a job at the moment but it's always a risk when you bring in a, a manager who's been managing at international level for quite a while and arguably not to great success the two World Cups he's been in charge of getting eliminated on penalties at the first knockout stage. They did okay at the, at the Euros, obviously getting to the semi-finals, but he's another one where his football doesn't excite me, so his name doesn't excite me. 
but I think the big name we've seen today is Mourinho. There's something that Chelsea fans are shouting for. They're living a little bit uh, in, I don't want to say denial <laughs> or in the past, but you're you're one of those people, Kieran, who, who put that name in the ring. What, what are your thoughts on us potentially doing that? Now, I'm maybe going to show a little bit of, uh, of who I am as a Chelsea fan, but I was scrolling uh, through Twitter today and I saw a beautiful Mourinho edit. It brought, it brought a tear to my eye <laughs> and it fully convinced me that he is the man to come back and save us. I don't care what anyone says about the fact that he can't work with young players. I don't care. He, if he comes back, we will win the Champions League. No, oh, God. <laughs> no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a, a slightly uh, jokey comment. I, I don't think it would work if he came back. I would definitely be on board with it if he was to come back. But uh, one, I don't think he'd leave Roma. Uh, two, I don't think Bowley would be interested in, in a manager with his personality. And three, it, it probably, as much as it pains me to say, it wouldn't work. Um, another... Another pipe dream I have is the return of Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be, it would be poetic in a way. But uh, again, I don't think uh, that would happen due to the the pretty ruthless manner in which he was sacked. Uh, we did see today uh, from Chelsea 365 uh, that uh, sources have said that we are interested in Thomas Frank. Graham Potter 2.0? I mean, that's that would be the only way I see it. It's a manager doing well at a club with li- well limited resources, with a, a good young side that he's made work. But it's another one where he's not had any successes at a club any bigger than Brentford. He's not won trophies. He's not carried a, t- a team with the personalities of Chelsea players under big money. It's it would be another risk. It would be another breaking breaking it off, starting again. And it would be another case of where we'd have to have some patience for a progress, a process, sorry. And yeah, I don't think we'd have, the Chelsea fans would have the patience, nor the board, if they're going to completely give up on this project with Potter. It would not be a great idea, in my opinion, to sort of start again and have something that will take just as much time to get to a place where we want to be and where Chelsea have been for the last 25, 30 years. Yeah, uh, I completely agree on that. But I don't think, as much as I I've, I dislike uh, the way Potter is managing the club at the moment, uh, from all the options I've seen so far, there is, uh, ignoring my pipe dreams, there is uh, no one that particularly excites me or, or I think is a realistic option. If Pochettino becomes Chelsea manager, it might send me over the edge. That is a very... We send Tottenham our old managers. We don't take their old managers. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, moving on to a bit more of a positive uh, subject. Uh, the Chelsea women's team, they are the only good thing about Chelsea at the moment. Uh, I see a lot of um, uh, meme Twitter accounts saying that Chelsea have only scored uh, one goal in February. That is completely untrue. The women's team have been absolutely firing them in. Uh, just looking here, 7-0 against West Ham on the 9th of February. So that's seven goals we can uh, put to our goal of the month category uh, uh, 3-2 against Tottenham again in the month and obviously at the weekend a 2-0 win against probably the 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 only other well not the only other one of the only other very high quality English women's teams 
Arsenal. What did you what did you make of that, Tom? Yeah, thank God for the Chelsea women at the moment. They are keeping some hope in this club that we can do good things. Um it's always annoying when the game is on at the same time as the men. It gives you a little bit of a, a difficult decision to make. I mean, if I, if it were me, I probably would have had more focus on the women's game. Yeah, I think we made the, the wrong decision. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I, I think I saw um, Rob journalism on Chelsea Twitter was at the was at Kings Meadow yesterday. Decided to completely not pay attention to the Chelsea men, and I don't blame him. He's another one like me who is very Pottering, but he's the that's the first time yesterday I've seen him turn on Potter. So that's interesting. But yeah, no, going to the game, going back to the Chelsea women's game. Yeah, it's a great result for them in the weekend. Knocking Arsenal out of the FA Cup is. Very key, gives us a good sort of route in towards the latter stages. Obviously being drawn away to Reading today for the next round, which is a very favourable tie. Obviously Reading in the league below. Uh, but yeah, great goals from Sophie Ingle and Sam Kerr. Obviously Sam Kerr was playing for Australia last week, coming back and performing on what we'd presume she'd still be very jet-lagged as the fans on the ground made quite clear. Nice fun chant was aimed at her and she's still better than you when she's jet-lagged, which is <laughs> great to hear. Um, but yeah, no, that was a great result. Leads us nicely into the Continental Cup final next week again against Arsenal. Um, it's nice to have that sort of positive momentum going into that. Obviously, Arsenal do have their injury problems at the moment, which isn't helping them well, but... It took a, a very late goal from Sam Kerr to get a point at the Emirates in the league only a couple of months, well, a couple of weeks ago. So it's good to beat them quite comfortably at home, and that sets us up quite nicely for that cup final. Yeah, and just a word on Lauren James, obviously the sister of Reese James. We we have two incredible, incredible siblings wow. at the club at the moment. Yeah. What do you make of her? Yeah, you can tell they're related, can't you? She's <laughs> she's so good on the ball, so good going forward. Pacey, strong, technical ability, can read the game, play a long pass, play a short pass, score a goal. She, yeah, she has everything that you want from a young, a young talent like she is. Obviously, scored a, scored her first goal for England during the international break as well. She was very key. She's very good part of the Arnold Cup winning run for them. Um, well, I mean, I, I think I tweeted during the first game that she could make it in the men's game, and I, I will die on that hill. I think she could definitely do a job. At what level, I don't know, but I think she would be a valuable asset everywhere. I think we should clone her. And, uh, yeah, her yeah. Her yeah, please. <laughs> just, yes, yeah, <just>, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on to a, a idea I had. Uh, Tom is a very... His brain is very good at storing information related yeah. to Chelsea. Uh, well... As I've seen, uh, hopefully he doesn't let me down here. <laughs> but I, it's a category uh, that I call testing Tom. Very nice. Uh, we've been on the, the topic a long time today on managers, so this is a a manager quiz of Chelsea. Uh, most of it is post Abramovich. Some of it's a bit earlier. Interesting. <laughs> we'll interesting. see how how he fares. But I've got a nice easy one. Well, hopefully easy. If you don't get it, then... <laughs> this, this segment goes out the yeah. window. <laughs> uh, who was the manager of Chelsea when Roman Abramovich purchased the club in 2003? Oh, yeah. Uh, Claudio Ranieri. Nice. That is a correct answer. Lovely. That's one point. Takes the pressure off. If you get four out of four, you win a prize. I don't Ooh. know what it is yet, but sure. I'll, I'll remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially a pint. But oh, if, you, if you don't... You owe me a pint. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, who was the shortest the shortest permanent manager Chelsea employed under Roman Abramovich? Okay, permanent. Okay. Um, ooh, potentials for this one. You got Scolari in 08-09. He was not here very long. Avram Grant, the end of the season before, was half a season. So they're two that spring to mind. Um, I'm trying to think sort of... Later years, obviously, Villas-Boas was again half a season. 
I think yeah, both him and Scolari were around January, February when they went. Uh, anyone after that who could potentially fit? I think the Benitez doesn't count as interim. Same with sort of Hiddings, two reigns. Um, uh, yeah, both Mourinho's obviously were earlier seasons. I'm going to go with Big Phil Scolari. That is incorrect. Ah, <laughs> no. Unfortunately, you have been slightly duped here because... Roberto Di Matteo oh. was an interim manager. And then was given the job. And then was given the job and sacked five months yeah, later. Yeah, November. That's, oh, that is fair. Yeah, they, so I, got, I, got, was, I thought of Villas-Boas before. That should have led me on to Di Matteo. That's trick fair. question wins me the pint off the yeah, bat. You've, you've, <laughs> that was a bit unfair. Because, you've entrapped me. Because yeah. the, next one, uh, the next shortest was uh, Scolari. Ah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. With uh, July until February. Fair, yeah, fair, yeah, well, cool, yeah, that's... Yeah, half a point. Okay, half this one, point. yeah, you can get half a Thank point. You. <laughs> uh, this one, you might, be, I think you'll be able to get two quite easily. I'm not sure Ooh, about the third one. Okay. But you might. I don't know how I'm incredible intrigued. your knowledge is. Chelsea have employed three managers twice. Name them. Three managers having th- two reigns. See, Jose Mourinho is the first one. Yep. Um, ooh, let's work my way back here. I think if is good hitting on your list. Does he count? He counts. Yeah, good. Interim counts. Lovely. So hitting's number two. Third one. I'm, I'm guessing is an old school one. Uh, is it Ted Drake? It is not Ted nah, Drake. Did he, did this stats are according to Wikipedia. That's so right. Yeah, that, 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 be lying. I'd, I'd believe that. <laughs> uh, do you want me to tell you? Or do yeah, you please go on. The answer was Ron Stewart. Ah, okay. Yeah, no, that was, we would have been here all day. Yeah, he took over the club on the sixth of October in 1967. 67. Okay. Yeah. And left on the 23rd of October. So that was his first reign. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming his interim. It didn't say. Mm. Uh, and then eight years later. He took over on the 3rd of October and left on the 16th of April in 1975. Well, okay. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's before my dad's time. Well, before my dad's time going to games, let alone my time. So. I did think that would be a difficult <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, so final question. Uh, we've got... Oh, there's a bonus question after. Oh, very nice. Uh, Graham Potter has the third lowest win percentage as a manager at Chelsea in the Premier League era. Name the two managers in the Premier League era. Name the two managers who have a worse win percentage. Okay, I, I, this this graph has been going around Twitter quite a lot this week, so it should be easy for me, but not not simple. Everything jumping to mind. Um, okay, options in my head. I'm thinking sort of Frank Lampard. I'm thinking again Scolari comes to mind. I'm thinking Villas Boas. Both of them we weren't doing awfully, but. Again, not amazingly. Lampard's got me in there. No? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if it included uh, Champions League and Cup games, right. but it's just since... Just just League games, okay. Um, no, no, no. So oh. it, could, it could include Champions League All and right. League Cup and whatever, mm. but it's since uh, 1992. Oh, ah, okay. They've had to be a manager yeah, since right. 1992. Glenn Hoddle's the second one on the list. Yeah. Behind, obviously, Potter now. It's Ian Porterfield on there. That is a correct yeah. answer. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Ian Porterfield is the lowest, and then Glenn Hoddle, very closely uh, following you know, Graham Potter. So if we lose to Leeds and Dortmund, he might be at the bottom of the list. Oh, God. Uh, he yeah. might be the worst Chelsea manager. 
if you don't already think that, which a lot of people <laughs> do. Uh, but I do have a bonus question okay. about Ian Porterfield. Oh, lovely. Uh, this doesn't specifically relate to Chelsea. Oh, God. But what record does Ian Porterfield hold oh, in regards God. to the Premier League? Oh, jeez. Um, I'm afraid I only know Ian Porterfield's name because the numerous Premier League quizzes of Chelsea managers, I always, he is always a name that I used to struggle to remember. Um, I'm going to ask her, so is it this due to his managerial abilities or his playing abilities? It's it's mm. about his time during in management. In, in management, okay. He holds a record. Hmm. It's not a good record. No? Okay, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. Um, it won't be like relegation records. It won't be. It's not shortest reign because that's that's Mr. De Boer. Um, I will take a stab at or being manager of the team most relegated teams. That is incorrect. Yeah, I didn't think it was. Uh, on the 15th of February in 1993, uh, Ian Porthfield became the first ever manager to be sacked in the Premier League. Wow. So, an impressive that record. That is an for impressive him. record. That is a statistic that I will bank and use for future quizzes. <laughs> so, uh, pretty, pretty all right effort. You got one, one and a half. You got about. 65 yeah some of the questions were a bit difficult i'll Mm. give you that the the ron uh ron i don't even know what his name is ron stewart one oh yeah no chance i'm not sure you had uh, much of a chance give me give me any sort of on-pitch statistics between 2002 onwards i'll be all right next one next time will be uh on the pitch statistics nice nice i'll just i'll try i'll try and get a theme for every week that's yeah that's good aim no i like that though but just to finish obviously it's a bit early, but there is a game coming up this weekend, mm-hmm. as, as much as I wish there wasn't. <laughs> oh, let's go to that. And we are playing Leeds, mm-hmm. and it is at Stamford Bridge. I just want to get your thoughts on a potential lineup. I'm going to go first, okay. and then you can, you can jump in after. So my main thing at the moment is um, I don't think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Rhys James and Ben Chilwell, I don't think their attacking output is being utilised so I know a lot of people hate this, but I think five at the back is the way to go. I agree. At the moment, because we just can't create create chances. I also think five at the back gives uh, Enzo Fernandez a little bit more scope to go forward. So the lineup I've gone for, assuming Silva is injured, hoping desperately he's not injured for the Champions League game against Dortmund, but it's looking like he might be. But my lineup for Leeds anyway, uh, Kepa. Although I wouldn't be opposed to Mendy playing. <laughs> the ghost of Chelsea. Yeah. I don't know where he is. Uh, three centre-backs. Badia Shield, uh, Fafana, Fafana in the middle. Okay. I think, yes. Fafana in the middle, Koulibaly. Uh, and then James and Chilwell at uh, uh, wing-backs. And uh, two in midfield. Although it could be three in midfield. Maybe three in midfield. Oh, no, two in midfield. Uh, Enzo and Loftus Cheek, okay. although Zachariah potentially could swap in and out with him, mm. and then three up front or like an attacking midfielder and two two forwards, Sterling, Felix, and I hate to say it, Havertz. Ooh, okay, yeah. Your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's 
It's a shame we're not quite at that stage where we can bring Kante back. There are rumblings that he might be available for the Dortmund, Dortmund game. Please, Dortmund, yeah, please. Even if he can play 30 <laughs> minutes, just get him out there. Uh, yeah, as I yeah, made vocal, I agree with you with the five at the back. Um, obviously, with Silver out, that doesn't give an obvious answer to who plays in the middle of that three. I think Koulibaly played there in Tuchel's early days. I could be wrong, but yeah, I'd agree with you with yeah, getting James and Chilwell out on that wing-back position. Then, yeah, Baddy Ashiel on the left-hand side. I'd go Koulibaly in the middle and Fafana the other side of him. Wouldn't be opposed to Chalaba going in instead of Koulibaly, but... Yeah, that would be that would be yeah, I agree with you there. Then midfield two I'd go with. So yeah, Enzo has to start at the moment. I'd put Zachariah next to him. I think I'd, he did alright when when he came on, but again he came on at a point where we're not really needing a defensive midfielder. If he plays if he's fit enough to play from the start, I'd start him. Loss of cheek is is good in patches, but it doesn't quite offer what we need going forward. I'd rather have Zachariah take a little bit more of that defensive work off of Enzo, which is, gives him that bit more freedom to go forward. Then the front three, as well, obviously as we've spoken about, would be yeah, be the yeah, be a four, yeah three on their own. I'd, I'd have Felix on the right, Sterling on the left, and yeah, I think I might be with you. I, I don't want to keep Havertz in. He plays nearly every single game at the moment, but David Fofana didn't offer too much in the Southampton game. Whether that's would be different in a different system, I don't know, but I don't know how confident Potter feels allowing him more giving him that sort of pressure position obviously we saw he didn't even make the bench at the weekend and that was given to Aubameyang I mean do would you would you be opposed to starting Aubameyang in the Leeds game uh I I'm not an Aubameyang fan but <laughs> I don't know we need someone who yeah can score a goal. <laughs> I think that is just me blindly think we need something different um yeah I'd stick with yeah Felix Sterling and Havertz Bring Mad Wake in off the bench. Bring Mudrick in off the bench. Obviously, he's had his problems. Yeah, I'm going to jump in there, actually, yeah. because I just... Two players that... Mm. Well, Mad Wake as well, but two main players who didn't even get a mention from you or me. Mm. Uh, maybe we just forgot about them. Uh, Kovacic in mm. midfield. Yeah. Do, does he not have a place next to Enzo? Mm. Uh, well, obviously, well, the, the story is he missed the game through illness against Man City, which is, I think, the second game in about five that he's been missing through something that's not injury focused which doesn't bode well again he he played the Southampton game he's another one who maybe looked a little bit invisible but there may have been things that he did that I didn't notice obviously on his day he is a very very good player obviously we saw that in the World Cup for Croatia he was one of their key men getting them all the way to that third position uh, yeah but if he's at his best then yeah he should be going in there but I think for now well I want to I want to see what Zachary and Enzo are like from the start together whether that that gives Enzo that bit more going forward. Yeah, and the other player uh, you did mention very briefly at the end there, uh, Mudrik. Mm. I thought, <laughs> I think we all thought when he came on against Liverpool and absolutely tore James Milner apart that we had uh, Eden Hazard regen on our, oh, <laughs> on our hands. God, yeah. <laughs> he was, he was uh, very good. But we do have to put it into context that it is a 37-year-old James Milner he was coming up against. And since that point, he's been pretty disappointing. I know Arsenal fans are are enjoying uh, watching his performances and I know they're lining up uh, the double 007 reference because oh, he's got no yeah. goals and no goal no assists in six games now uh, but what do you make of Mudrik because I've been pretty disappointed with him recently I know he's he's young so we've got to give him time but expecting a little bit more yeah I mean I was, I was if he hadn't had that game against Liverpool, this wouldn't have been too surprising for me. He's not played since November. Obviously, Shakhtar were in their winter break. He obviously didn't go to the World Cup with Ukraine. 
Um, so if yeah, this had been in isolation, then yeah, I wouldn't be as disappointed as I am. Obviously, we have spent a lot of money on him, so there would be that expectation. He has, especially in Champions League games this season, for Shakhtar looked very good. But yeah, as you said, those those forty five minutes he got against Liverpool, he was a live wire. Not even just against Milner, even after Milner got taken off, he was still mm. Chelsea's best player. He was tracking back, winning every single 50-50, beating every single player with a dribble. He obviously had that great chance where he beat three players in the box and just made the wrong decision with the shot. And yeah, everyone was absolutely ranting and raving, excited. It sort of made us forget that we drew the game 0-0 because it was a hope that, OK, we have a player here. But yeah, every game since he's not looked great at all. Played that first half in the nil-nil against Fulham and got brought off at half-time. I think there were rumours that he was playing through a little illness that day. Obviously came off against Southampton and was appallingly bad, for lack of a better term. I don't think he won a single take on. His energy levels look depleted. He doesn't look like he's this player who has these amazingly registered fast speeds, those fast top speeds that he, that he's, that he has... Yeah, he hasn't shown it. It's a shame. You'd you'd expect to see a lot more from him. And I'm hoping with time and a bit more game time in his legs, a bit more training in his legs, maybe he will eventually come good. But again, it's another one. Whereas if the mood on the pitch is and the results on the pitch stays the same and we're relying on him to be this guy to get a goal out of nowhere, it's pressure on all of them. And yeah, he's one who might be feeling it a little bit at the moment. Yeah, well, hopefully he can uh, pick up his form in future. I do still have quite a bit of faith in him uh but we would like to see an improvement on the pitch if possible please, please. please. and that goes for all of our attackers to be fair because we uh, the men's team have scored one goal in february as i'm sure anyone who has a social media app social media app knows yeah two goals all year it's been a pretty pretty disappointing time well that has been the first ever episode of the blue tomorrow podcast it's been great, great fun for me. I hope you've had a good time, Tom. Yeah, no, this is, yeah, it's good we've, good we've done this. I hope we keep this up. Yep, and hopefully we'll be a bit more positive uh, next week. Uh, potentially we'll be filming or recording this on Thursday next week instead. So that will be the post, yeah, we'll post Leeds and post Dortmund. So we will have a lot to talk about and... <laughs> Hopefully it'll be an enjoyable show, but thank you very much for listening and I hope you have a good day.